0: Mr. Speaker, I rise today to urge my colleagues to support Senate Bill 1738, the Protect Our Children Act of 2008. And I think one of the greatest
1: challenges in public safety, and a growing challenge, is keeping young people safe on the Internet.
0: And so the legislation I'm going to be signing today is a very important law, a leading law, where Illinois is leading the way for other states to protect children.
1: Welcome to the Enemy of the Surveillance State, where we discuss news, tips, and open source tools to help you protect your privacy in an age of mass digital surveillance. I am your host, C. Mitchell Shaw, and joining me this week is special guest Joe Wolverton, constitutional lawyer writer at the New American Magazine, and host of the popular Teacher of Liberty YouTube channel. We'll be discussing the EARNET Act and how it is an attack on encryption, how the surveillance hawks always package their anti-privacy bills, the U.S. Constitution, and more this week on Enemy of the Surveillance State. Okay, so that sound montage at the beginning uh, began with Florida Congresswoman and former DNC chair, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Uh, Then we had then New York Attorney General uh, Andrew Cuomo, and following finally was then 2010 Illinois Governor Pat Quinn. And they were doing what statists do, wrapping bad legislation in the packaging of, we have to save the children. That song that played at the end of that, or, or through it and then raised the volume at the end, was the 1973 hit Save the Children by Motown group The Intruders. Given the name of the group and the sappiness of the song, it just really seemed appropriate for an episode about surveillance hawks pushing a bill to effectively do away with encryption in the name of Saving the Children. So before we get into this week's discussion, let me say that enemy of the surveillance state is listener supported. I made a decision early on not to take on advertisers and no one underwrites the show. This is a one man show and I chose for it to be listener supported because if I recommend a piece of software to you, if I recommend a piece of hardware to you, I want you as a listener to know that I'm recommending that because I would use it and I believe in it not because somebody with a deep pocketbook is paying me to tell you that. So if you're interested in supporting the show, pop over to my Patreon page. There'll be a link in the show notes and just sign up as a patron. I've got perks for patrons. Uh, I also have launched a line of merchandise, T-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and coffee mugs so that you can purchase those to show your pride as an enemy of the surveillance state and help support the show So it can grow and keep providing excellent content to help you protect your privacy in an age of mass digital surveillance. So now with the housekeeping stuff out of the way and all that crass bill paying stuff, uh, we are joined today, as I said, by constitutional lawyer, writer and popular YouTuber, Joe Wolverton. Joe, thanks for taking the time to join us today. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, Just say hello to the folks and tell us a little bit about yourself and make sure to uh, talk a little bit about your YouTube channel so that folks know where to find that and what it's all about.
0: All right. Thanks, Mitch. I'm so grateful for you to have me on. And more than that, I'm just grateful that you have this show to help highlight these things that are so important right now. Um, So let's see. I am from Memphis, Tennessee, originally. Um, My... I grew up in Europe because my dad's job working for the government. I uh, went to BYU for my undergrad and then went to law school back home in Memphis. And I, yeah, I've been writing for the New American since 2004. I practiced as a constitutional lawyer for several years in Nashville. Uh, I <clears throat> did mostly suing government for having violated the uh, Fourth Amendment. Uh, that's kind of where I spent most of my time as a lawyer and doing writing, and then uh, so eventually the writing turned into speaking, and I did that, and uh, the speaking turned into teaching, and I taught at university for a couple of years, and I've taught at a high school, and I am now just a tutor. I just go around teaching people who want to learn about the things that that I teach about that no one seems to be teaching about anymore, and. That led me to the YouTube, so I created the YouTube channel, Teacher of Liberty, and I load stories up there that I have kind of look at current events, but through the lens of history, and these are lenses that just uh, have been, that the status and the, the government have tried to crush throughout the years, and so people are hearing these stories for the first time, and when they hear them, they they realize why the federal government purposefully removed these things from the curriculum of schools, and so... That's what I do now. I pretty much do the YouTube thing, and I go around uh, teaching mostly homeschool kids in large groups uh, these lessons that I teach about the uh, philosophical roots of the American founding.
1: Awesome. Man, Uh, you know, I, I knew that you were a rock star. I just didn't know you were that big of a rock star, so that's pretty awesome. Well, um you and, know, someone's got it. Well, you know, it, it's hard to be us, but somebody has to do it, right? Um exactly. so you know, one of the, one of the really neat things about hosting a show like this is that you get to really just wear your humility on your sleeve, right? Um so <laughs> you recently wrote for the New American about this Earn It Act. Uh I'll put a link in the show notes to that article for the listeners. Um and what struck me really right off the bat when I first looked at the Earn It Act. Was that as per usual, we again see a really bad piece of legis- legislation wrapped in the packaging as something to, quote, save the children, end quote. Because at the end of the day, statists, both in and outside, uh, inside and outside the surveillance state, really only seem to have two kinds of wrapping paper that they wrap up these bills in. The one is, we've got to fight those terrorists. And then the other is we have to do something to save the children, okay? Uh, so the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, uh, is has been all over this since the beginning. I'm going to put a, a link in the show notes to what the EFF has had to write about this. And if you're not familiar with the EFF, uh, folks, the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, is an organization dedicated to preserving digital rights including digital liberty coder's rights uh, uh fair use those types of things if you think about the types of liberties that would be sort of specific to the electronic frontier of the internet um because of course they were formed when we were still using phrases like information superhighway <laughs> right um so um but they wrote in their piece they wrote Earn it would establish a national commission on online exploitation prevention, this commission would include the chairman of the Federal Trade Commission, the Attorney General, the Secretary of Homeland Security, and 12 other members that would be home are handpicked uh, by leaders in Congress. The commission would be tasked with recommending best practices for providers. But it's it's way worse than that, folks, because as this EFF piece EFF piece goes on to say, that it's more than just recommendations. These Best practices that they come up with would bring the force of law. Okay. So platforms that had failed to adhere to them would be stripped of their Section 230 protections. And Joe, we're going to talk a little bit about Section 230 so that folks know what we're talking about. Okay. And laws relating to restrictions on speech, they write, must reflect a careful balance of competing goals and protections for civil liberties. Lawmakers can only strike that balance through an open, transparent lawmaking process. They say it would be deeply irresponsible for Congress to offload that duty to a body of unelected and unaccountable commissioners. Okay. But it gets worse because if the attorney general disagrees with the commission's recommendation, he has an override and he can write his own instead. He has override authority. The bill simply gives too much power to the Department of Justice, which, as a law enforcement agency, is a particularly bad choice to dictate internet policy. Now, before we drill down into what all this bill does to cripple encryption that are used by millions of people to protect their data and their communications, Joe, let me ask you, you've looked at the text of the bill. As a constitutional attorney who knows what it is to read these bills and understand them, does it actually protect children?
0: Well, no, Mitch, it does not protect children, and here's a shocker. It was never designed to do that. Uh, this is simply the tactic that tyrants have taken since the beginning of, of government. They know that if they appeal to people saying this will protect children from online predators, who is going to say, no, I don't support that? No one, because right? Most because uh, because to say evil. that I
1: don't support that is to say I like child I'm, pornography. I think per, people ought to be exactly. able to to exploit children. So you're you're given a I, choice right. there between between two evils because of the way they package the bill.
0: Exactly, and that's the way they've done it from the beginning. And like I was saying about these classes that I teach, that's what I tell people: I'm like, look, you become so much smarter, or apparently smarter, but not maybe not truly. But when you know history and you can sit back and say, you know, this exact same thing happened 2,000 years ago and I can tell you about it, people's minds just blow. Because it's always been, let's protect someone, right? And then you put your opponent in the place of having to say, like you said, well, I, for one, am in favor of child pornography, which, of course, you're not. Right. But by that time, they put you in a box and what are you going to say? Then you're – Forced to fight against what they're portraying to be something so noble and something so virtuous when you know yourself. Everything a tyrant does has the same ultimate goal, which is to destroy liberty. And that's what this does, plain and simple.
1: Exactly. You know, you you begin your article with a phrase that I just love you refer to it as a bill with broad partisan support that is working its way through Congress. I've said this in a previous episode, but it's going to become one of those things that I will probably repeat often. I probably ought to have it put on a t-shirt. In America, we have the evil party and the stupid party. They occasionally get together and do something that is both evil and stupid. And this we call bipartisanship. So, you know, when I hear of a bipartisan bill, I always get a little nervous. I actually like it when Democrats and Republicans don't agree on things. Uh, it's when they start agreeing that I realize, oh, gosh, you know, they've gotten together. The Cowboys and the Indians are ganging up on us and we're about to be had. Right. The, the Bloods and the Crips uh, are, 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 are together on this one. Uh, so we're about to be taken for a ride.
0: And that's what, you know, like when they tried to impeach Trump. They impeach him on these charges, but you sit there and say, on the stuff that's super unconstitutional, all of y'all agree on it. So, of course, you're not going to try to impeach him for some of the things that you all agree I mean, Democrats and Republicans join hands when we send a drone to blow up children. They're like, yay, we're taking care of the terrorists. But. So the things that are really egregious, that are really horrendous, that are really destructive of individual liberty, they – all those things have bipartisan support, which is why it drives me crazy to try and talk to people who are self-described conservatives because they are nothing more than statists because they expect government to provide an answer and to say that – Good grief to say that someone like Lindsey Graham should be saying we need to protect the children. I I quoted in my article, he said something like, um, we're not going to allow uh, sex predators to have uh, any sort of freedom at all. No, sir. Period. Or something like that. And I'm thinking, doesn't the Jeffrey Epstein thing, doesn't that reveal who the real sex predators are?
1: Well, yeah, I but mean, if but, we wanted to have but ignore, children, the well, ignore the man behind the curtain. Ignore the man behind the curtain, Joe. That's what Pay saying. no attention that to the man behind can, the curtain.
0: Well, no, they can throw up their smoke screen and say, "Look, I'm out here being tough on these sex predators," while there's photos of all of them being chums with the sex predator who somehow suicided himself.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, right. This
0: commits suicide. But, I mean, look at that, Mitch. That's the thing. They get to sit here and say, we will protect the children. We don't agree that there should be any of these predators online because they don't like the competition.
1: Exactly. And, you know, you bring up an interesting point, and I've said this before, but it's it's going to be one of those things that I say again. There are a lot of principled issues that are matters of principled disagreement between conservatives and liberals between Republicans and Democrats. This is not that this is not a left versus right issue. This is an us versus them issue. I deliberately chose to call this show enemy of the surveillance state because by creating a surveillance state that treats all of us as criminals that, that warrant surveillance. And I use the word warrant there so loosely because they do it without anything resembling an honest to goodness constitutional warrant. Okay. But by treating us that way, they have made themselves the enemies of the people. The surveillance state is an enemy of the people. So it is perfectly acceptable. It's not um, divisive or, um, you know, I I don't see myself as being like a, a radical at all to say, I am an enemy of the surveillance state. And I think, I think the listeners to this show would identify themselves as enemies of the surveillance state in varying degrees. You know, we're, we're all learning. Uh, I don't know everything, but I've spent about a decade studying this issue and learning everything I can, reading the experts on the subject, practicing the things that I can do. But my point in all of that is this, this issue, surveillance, encryption, privacy, These issues are not matters of left versus right or Republican versus Democrat, if only that were so, because it really doesn't matter how any one of my listeners, if you're listening to this, I don't really care what you think about Donald Trump. I only ever mention him on this show peripherally. Okay. So Donald Trump is what he is, but here's what he, here's what he doesn't appear to get. Okay. He wants to drain the swamp. He wants to do this. He wants to do that. You know, some of those things I would have an, a tremendous amount of respect for, but why in the world does he appoint a guy like state, uh, um, attorney general, uh, uh, uh not, not state attorney general, but attorney general, William Barr as attorney general, right? William Barr is a dyed in the wool surveillance Hawk. And you mentioned, Joe, you mentioned Lindsey Graham. He's one of the sponsors of this bill, and we're going to talk a little bit about Lindsey Graham in just a moment. But right now, let's talk about William Barr. So TechCrunch did an article in July of 2019. The headline is, U.S. Attorney General William Barr says Americans should accept security risks of encryption backdoors. Let me explain for you who may not understand what a backdoor is. So, you have a piece of encryption software on your computer that encrypts, say, your hard drive or encrypts your emails or encrypts packages or uh, folders on your laptop or on your phone. A backdoor would be a way to just come in around that encryption. And they always talk about a backdoor that can only be used by the good guys. We'll have a warrant and we'll access that backdoor. That animal does not exist. If you break encryption, it's broken. And it's not just broken for the good guys to come in with a warrant. It's just broken. And so William Barr, here's what he said in that article. They quote him as suggesting, quote, that the residual risk of vulnerability resulting from incorporating a lawful access mechanism backdoor is materially greater than those already in the unmodified product. In other words, he admits, if we build a backdoor, we are weakening people's protections to protect information that really should be and is private to them. But then he says that that risk is acceptable because, quote, we're talking about consumer products and services, such as messaging, smartphones, emails, and voice and data applications not talking about protecting the nation's nuclear launch codes. So let that sink in for a moment, folks. Their privacy matters. Your privacy, he just dismisses as, oh, it's just email and voice and data applications and messaging and smartphones and consumer products. This is the guy who would get to decide on your right to privacy under the EARNIT Act. Because remember, he would have an override veto power, one ring to rule them all. And that ring would be on his undeserving finger. Not that there's any deserving finger anywhere for that kind of power. Let's not forget that Lord Acton said that power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. The tendency is gone. It is just a corrupting force, okay? So another point to keep in mind, is that surveillance hawks use encryption to protect their communications. Now, this is more than just mere hypocrisy, folks. It's too similar to the way the same politicians who would deprive citizens of the right to keep and bear arms surround themselves with armed guards, police, and military personnel. The message is really clear. With both guns and encrypted communications, this is for us. This is for us ascended beings, us philosopher kings, not for you mere mortals, okay? So, um, there's the bill, like we said, uh, you, you were talking about, um, Joe, you were talking about Lindsey Graham, right? So he's Mm -hmm. one of the sponsors Mm -hmm. of the bill. Uh, and you know, just spend a moment for a second here and let's talk about Lindsey Graham.
0: Well, it's funny. You made, excuse me, you made the uh, connection, the Lord of the Rings connection there, because I consider, uh, William Barr to be the Grima worm tone of this administration. He's sitting there whispering to the king in this case, the president, all of these things that he should understand that he should believe, and all of these threats. And I think Donald Trump, probably left to his own devices, is a much more libertarian guy than than he is allowed to be, sitting where he sits. But William Barr, I have no respect for him. Don't don't give me the respect the office, because I certainly don't. Because what this guy has done, not only does he has he always Like you, you quoted him perfectly. He's like, Americans should just accept it because it's for their safety. Well, William Barr is also the guy who a few months ago in Memphis announced this thing where they're going to start – You know, the the red flags are not only going to be for people that have had trouble. But the words he used were <clears throat> anyone that would be – that we think someday would mobilize toward violence – we are going to take their weapons away.
1: I'm glad you bring that and up, Joe. Said, Joe, let me let me just, I yeah, am glad you ahead. bring that up because in a previous episode, the very first episode of this show, and if you've not heard it, folks, go back and grab it. It's called Why Wise, Wise Surveillance Matters Even If You Have Nothing to Hide. And what I lay out in there is how by building a, a dossier on you, while of course, James Clapper, uh, Director of National Intelligence, famously lied under oath on camera with a microphone in his face and said, no, 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 we're not doing that. Just bald faced lie. And then had to dial it back and kind of back off of that. And in an interview said that he was asked a question to which there's not a simple yes or no answer. So I gave the least dishonest answer I could least dishonest. Okay. He only lied a smidge folks. Let's, let's cut him a break. Uh, I mean, it's only perjury. You'd go to prison for that. Right. But not him. Okay. So in that in that episode, what I lay out in very clear terms with quotes from Ed Snowden, in fact, there's a nice video clip or an audio clip in there from Ed Snowden talking about this. They are able to create a dossier on you that predicts your future behavior, okay? So that may sound a little crazy to you. If it does, listen to the episode. Listen to the the, the evidence of that episode and see if it still sounds crazy to you. So when Barr says... If we ever think you might be a problem, I mean, this is, this is enemy of the state stuff and no pun intended there with the name of my show, be an enemy of the surveillance state. But this is that this is predicting crimes ahead of time and acting on what they know about you and who you're going to be when circumstances, because they already know what their plan is, right? They already know what's coming down the pike. If they've been surveilling you long enough to build a good dossier on you, they know what your reaction to that's going to be. So you may not deserve remember. to be on the list right now, but you'll deserve to be on the list a year from now, so you're already on the list.
0: And there's a couple of things, Mitch, that people miss all the time with these, these surveillance things. You know, someone will say, and typically this is what we hear, well, if you haven't done anything wrong, you have nothing to fear. And this is what I always answer those people with. I'm not interested in if you've done anything wrong. I'm sure you haven't. But I'm going to ask you this. If the whole world, anybody you love anybody that respects you were to receive in the mail a printed out copy of your incomplete unedited web browsing history would there be anything in that that would cause you trouble in your life
1: yeah i i i so love that i take i take it a slightly don't about, yeah don't worry about don't whether worry you have anything being, to
0: hide yeah don't worry about whether you have Think about, do you have something to be embarrassed about?
1: Or and the, now, the way I worth, ask it, Joe, well, what do you have yeah. that's worth protecting? It's not about what you have to hide. Yeah. It's always about what you have that's worth protecting.
0: Right. And, and my thing is, I'm a Christian, so I believe that, you know, people make mistakes and you can repent and be forgiven and all that. But the government, they don't see that. They see, look here, I'm going to pull up Joe Wharton's file. Ten years ago, Joe was you know was serving around the internet and looked at this stuff now joe in 2020 i repented of that 10 years ago and haven't returned to doing those since the government doesn't care and i don't go around telling people about it so they send this information and so this is what i'm saying they they they've got you right they can literally that that monstrosity at the point of the mountain in utah they literally have every electronic communication you've ever made, saved and ready so that if you you don't pass Barr's muster, if he thinks that you're mobilizing toward opposing the regime, they will kick out that file on you in a heartbeat, and you will be impotent to fight against this sort of thing because you will be fighting a war in your home to explain behavior that no longer is part of who you are.
1: Exactly. And worse than that, what the vault seven CIA dump from WikiLeaks shows is that they have the ability to fake your internet browsing history and to insert oh, things sure. into your hard drive. They, they have the ability to install things, drop oh, yeah. files and folders onto your hard drive that you would never know were there yeah. and then serve a warrant and find those things. So in fact, no, there were exactly t- let's, okay. So we're talking about child pornography here because that's what Lindsey Graham's talking about. And that's what Barr's talking about. And that's what Blumenthal's talking about while they try to strip our right to communicate privately. Okay. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the half a dozen child pornography cases that were thrown out of court in the weeks, right after that vault seven dump by WikiLeaks, because smart attorneys asked the question, is this possible? And the federal government, rather than answering that question as to whether that was true, simply dropped those cases.
0: Yeah, dropped the case. So
1: I have no doubt in my mind that that's a half a dozen child pornographers, consumers of child pornography. Let me be clear. These weren't guys taking the photos themselves. okay? but they're consuming that they're on the they're the they're the buyer without which there can't be a seller. So these are the, the second lowest people on the planet and they're still walking the planet free because the federal government had to drop the case rather than admit. Yeah, actually we, we could absolutely have planted that information and not left a trail. So that's a reality, but getting back, getting back real quickly to Lindsey Graham, uh, America's favorite demo publican. Uh, who is the sponsor of this bill and is himself a surveillance hawk and enemy of privacy. Here's a sound clip from his appearance in 2015 on Fox News during a time when he fooled himself into thinking he was presidential material. Of course, the reality is that, uh, you know, slick Rick uh, from Texas, Rick um, Perry uh, stood a better chance of getting the nomination than uh, than Lindsey Graham did. Lindsey Graham didn't get within within sight of the nomination before he realized he was way out of his depth. But here's what he said when he appeared on Fox News Live in 2015 about the NSA. Now, this is important. This was at a time when We already, this is post-Snowden, so we already knew, we'd already seen the documents about the NSA illegally spying on U.S. citizens. Here's what he had to say about him after that.
0: Uh, The NSA employees are patriots as far as I'm concerned. I'm for oversight of the government, but the people out there trying to protect us are not the enemy. I'm not worried about the NSA. I'm worried about ISIL penetrating this country and killing a lot of us.
1: So, I'm worried about ISIL penetrating this country and killing a lot of us. So the rapper he was using then was we have got to fight those terrorists, right? Like we got to fight those terrorists. Uh, And now, of course, uh, flash forward, you know, however many years that was 2015. Here we are 2020. So five years later, he's introducing legislation to basically make it a breeze for them to do what they're doing is to continue unabated and increase the surveillance at an exponential rate but this time the wrapping is we've got to do something to save the children so the co-sponsor of the bill the co-sponsor of that bill uh, of that act is um uh democrat senator from connecticut richard blumenthal so in 2007, Blumenthal was on the right side of this issue when George H.W. Bush was increasing the surveillance state and kind of bringing it out into the light with the Department of Homeland Security and the Patriot Act and all of that. And all of this NSA surveillance apparatus was really being uh, added on to to the point that we're where we are now. Blumenthal actually fought to have an exemption for telecommunication companies that cooperate with the surveillance state to be stripped out of a package that George W. Bush was pushing. It passed anyway in 2008. Congress passed it. They passed it over Blumenthal's objection. So in 2007, 2008, Blumenthal was on the right side of this issue, but the prevailing winds are in a different direction now. And so the guy who was not an outright surveillance hawk, is in 2020 an outright surveillance hawk. So besides well, what does that tell you? Well it, it tells me that there the principles don't play a part in this. It was never about they principles.
0: No if, they have no it's like it's like this thing which I tell people like character. The word we use character. You know, you know how that's defined. You define someone's character. Well that comes from a Greek word carax, which means a stick driven into the ground. And the way that we have developed that in English, it means here are these stakes that you've put in the ground and you will never go beyond them. Right. That's your
1: character. They define you your have bi- your boundaries.
0: Things. Right. Those are your boundaries. These people have no boundaries. They no. have literally have no character.
1: No, it's about what I what I said, the prevailing winds. So at the time Blumenthal <laughs> was up against George W. Bush, who was a Republican. So he was on the away team or the home team, depending on how you look at it. Right. But the other team, right. He was on the other team. So he was pushing for this legislation and Blumenthal was against it. One is left to wonder what would have happened if Bill Clinton were still in the white house on September 11th, 2001, when the, that day happened and then there was a department of Homeland security and a Patriot act and all of these other things and the surveillance state coming out into the light. Where would Blumenthal have fallen? Well, I can't know that. I, I don't know the man. I don't know his heart. I don't know who he was in 2007, eight. I don't know who, who he is really in 2020, but the point is, if his principles were against it, they ought to still be against it. It's not as if anything has come along that ought to change someone's mind other than perhaps the Snowden <laughs> revelations which demonstrate to us that these people make their own rules and break the law to surveil all of us. So let's well, just, Lindsay, just oh, go Lindsay ahead. Lindsey
0: Graham with, with no, Lindsey Graham with Snowden, I remember writing an article years ago right after you know Snowden first went on the run and Lindsey Graham said, I view Mr. Snowden's action not as one of patriotism, but potentially a felony. I hope we follow Mr. Snowden to the ends of the earth and bring him to justice.
1: And and I still yeah. have people ask me, well, if he's such a patriot, why is he still in Russia? Because if he comes back here, he's going to stop a bullet or stretch he's, a rope. That's why.
0: Oh, yeah, he's he's not free to come. And you think about that. We have elected congressmen who, Mitch,
1: think about this, man.
0: Every single one of them placed their hands on a Bible and swore to God.
1: Or a Quran. Be let's be fair, the, or a Quran.
0: <laughs> to their God. To, to no, I, I get God, what you're
1: saying. I was just trying to be cute.
0: And No, no, I got you. But the point is, they knew when they think about who we have in government, those men knew that when they made their oath to God to be bound by the Constitution, that they were lying.
1: That's right. And this bill is—they
0: is, they don't. We like to pretend that they are just good people who don't understand the issues. No, that's not it. The sooner we realize that these people are not good people who are misunderstood or misled, the quicker we get to all coming behind a, a solution to this.
1: Absolutely, and, and this bill—not this bill—really demonstrates. How they lie, because the whole the whole wrapping, the presentation, the sizzle behind this bill, the sizzle of this bill's stake is to protect the children. We have to protect the children, but there's nothing in the bill. I've read the bill. okay now, as a layman, I've read the bill. There's nothing in the bill that actually prevents anything about child exploitation or does anything to protect children. But it will break encryption because it will force companies like Signal companies like protonMail if they operate in the United States and I, I'm going to reach out to both of them and try to get a statement from both signal and proton mail just as a sampling uh, it will force them to break their encryption uh, it will it will so there was there was a great uh, I use the Linux operating system on everything uh, that I that I use because Linux is a an open source software an open source operating system that I can I can audit the code if I want to millions of other people have already audited the code there's nothing in there to spy on us but the guy behind the Linux operating system since the 19, late 80s or early 90s is a guy named Linus Torvalds, um, who is from Helsinki. And um, his father served a couple of terms as a member of parliament for the European Union. And he was asked once in a news conference whether his son had ever been pressured by the U.S. government to insert a backdoor into the encryption of the Linux operating system. Now, again we may all, some of you may know about these gag orders that the, uh, that the FISA court places when you get this, this demand or this request for this or that. Right. Um, and you're forbidden to discuss it. So his father's answer to the question was no, of course not. But while he's saying that he's shaking his head up and down at the camera saying, yes, yes. He has been pressured. He's just never done it. And we can know he's never done it. We can know that Mark Shuttleworth at Ubuntu, which is a derivative of Linux. It's a derivative, it's a, a Linux distribution. It's the one I use. Uh, there, I said it. I use Ubuntu. So let the distro wars start amongst all my Linux nerd friends that listen to this. Um, but um, we can know that they don't, whether we know them and trust them or not, because the source code is open right? But what we don't have is an open source government. What we have is a proprietary source code government that hides everything they're doing, including the real intent of a bill behind this BS, fuzzy, warm sounding name and this promise about protecting children. Well, Lindsey Graham doesn't give a rat's backside about protecting children. He just, he he outed himself in 2015. He's outed himself several times since then about his position On Encryption and private communications. It's for him. It's not for you. So this, this bill, if it makes it all the way through Congress and gets signed off on by a president that doesn't understand the nature of what's going on around him, sometimes it will become the law and encryption. As we know it today, the internet, as we know it today will be broken because folks, it's not just encryption. This is also a free speech issue. Uh, What you referred to, by the way, Joe, in your article as the chilling effect. Can you spend a few seconds talking about Section 230 and what you called the chilling effect of this bill?
0: Right. So Section 230 basically says this. It says that if someone posts something uh, online that's criminal, then that person is held responsible for that. If you post something, if you post child pornography, and the person who lo- uploaded the child pornography is held liable rather than the, you know, the Internet company or the communication company or the people who own the website. None of those people will be held liable for the actions of another person. OK, so, so so let me, let me just fundamental aspect of Anglo-American law. So l- let me just right? let me
1: just chew that up a little bit. Let me digest that just yeah. a smidge. So Joe yeah. Schmo posts. Something illegal, um, you know, uh, uh, plans to overthrow the government, uh, uh, you know, child pornography, um, right. surveillance pictures that he's taken of his ex girlfriend, whatever. He posts that
0: mm-hmm. on
1: Twitter. We'll just pick on Twitter, okay? He posts that on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Section 230 protects Twitter, but would hold Joe Schmo accountable for his own actions because Twitter is not a publisher. That guy is the publisher. Twitter is just a platform that that guy is using to publish his materials that are illegal. Correct?
0: Exactly. It's just it's I'll draw the easy analogy, holding Twitter responsible in your example, holding Twitter responsible for this guy putting up the plans to you know blow up the White House or something, holding Twitter. That's like saying that Winchester, the ammo manufacturer is guilty if I use one of their bullets to murder someone. Now, no one. There are people that would say that. Oh, (laughs) no, that's my point. That's exactly my point. There are those people who say, well, you know, Winchester should be held accountable because they made this thing that made it possible for you to do. That's so nonsensical. But yeah because at what point do at what soda.
1: at what point do then we 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 take Louisville Slugger to to task right. uh because somebody beat somebody What's to right. death with a baseball bat or yeah, Ford because but, somebody but, ran over somebody with a car or keep filling in but, the blanks you know I hit you in the head with a brick why, good luck figuring out who made that brick
0: But why don't we
1: Because it's retarded saying,
0: Well no why, but yeah but why doesn't the government do it because they do what they know they can get away with
1: exactly
0: and exactly so they and they know, know they can attack encryption
1: in the name of protecting exactly. children they know they can attack free you- speech in the name of protecting children but so what did you mean right. by chilling effect though
0: okay the chilling effect that i describe is something that uh lawyers talk about with regard to the first amendment what it means is that When, if this becomes the law, and law in giant air quotes, right? But if this becomes the law, then people are going to start self censoring. And the companies that allow, that have these platforms for you, they're going to stop. They're going to err on the side of obedience to this law and prevent certain people from publishing anything. Now, we're talking for, I'll just use the New American. They could easily look at the New American and say, you know, I read something Joe said. Uh, that sounds incendiary to me. And they, you know, fine the New American, let's just say for the sake of discussion. Well, the New American is going to be like, uh, we like you, Joe, but we don't like you to the tune of being fined for putting your stuff. So they take me up. Well, pretty soon the New American gets to the point where they can't publish any and they're gone. And how did they get? How did they get destroyed? Simply because of the chilling effect, they were afraid. It was, it froze their will. They were like, Oh, I can't do this because I'm liable to get in trouble. So you see all of these people that provide this wonderful platform. That is the internet where we can have shows like yours, where we can have YouTube shows Shows like like yours. That's right. Yeah. And, but with the chilling effect, that is to say, it will freeze these people and think, oh, I don't want to come go foul of this. So I'm, instead of having to give a back door because of what things Joe said or Mitch said, I'm just going to close it down. And so then you have the situation where without prosecuting a single violation, they have shut down the very people they intended to shut down, all under the name of a simple backdoor to the encryption and protecting children. And no one can say anything about it because they will have taken that. They would have taken down the people they targeted without firing a shot.
1: So it's, it's the sedition and, act and the, uh, so it was the alien act and the sedition act that, that caused so much trouble in, uh, uh, Adams presidency, yeah. So, so we'd be looking at that right. all over again. Um, so, well, it. But ahead, even there,
0: ahead. they actually prosecute. You know, the Adams administration actually prosecuted people. In this case, the chilling effect. If this becomes the law, you will see it so powerfully chill these content provide these platform owners that you will see the very people that that, that bar is targeting will be the very people who are silenced and they'll never prosecute a single case.
1: They won't have to, we will self, we we will self, uh, censor and and the platforms will censor us and I'll just get deplatformed. And then folks, you'll want to listen to episode 37 of enemy of the surveillance state. And there won't be an episode 37 if that happens, because there's no way a show like this makes it through that hurdle. Okay, I'm exposing I'm exposing the underbelly of the deep state in the surveillance state and telling people what they can do to get around that and practice the freedom that God gave them and that the Constitution protects for them. And there's no way if they pass an unconstitutional law like this, that really is an affront on both the Fourth Amendment uh, protection against illegal search and seizure, and the First Amendment protection of free speech, there's no way, if they can pass that, that a show-like enemy of the surveillance state makes it to the bathroom.
0: No, and imagine what they say. They say, well, if your child, if your child was the one that was saved from being groomed and kidnapped and sold into slavery and forced into child pornography, isn't it worth Occasionally, occasionally shutting down shows that maybe aren't so bad right now, but could be misunderstood by bad people. If it's saving your child, isn't it worth those mistakes? And Lottie Dottie and everybody are, is going to say yes, it's worth it yeah. because they don't show you the other side. Exactly. What if we could really protect children by educating people? by exactly
1: educating people about their own personal responsibility and their own their own dignity as human persons and the dignity of other people as human persons so you know since you know this this whole conversation has kind of danced around the periphery of pornography and child pornography and everything let me say this today I, i hate social media i hate facebook i'm on facebook because you know, I, I had to go behind enemy lines to reach people where they are, and that's where people are. So there's a there there's a little bit of apparent hypocrisy, and a guy who has a podcast teaching people how to protect their privacy, having a Facebook account where he posts his episodes and says, hey guys, go check out Enemy of the Surveillance State, and you know, be sure to subscribe while you're there so you never miss an episode. And I'm doing all that on Facebook, so it appears to be a little hypocritical. But my answer to that is, hey, if you weren't on Facebook, I wouldn't have to be on Facebook. I have to go where the vast majority of people are and everybody and his sister is on Facebook. So today on Facebook, I finally got my belly full, right? And I put up a post that essentially says, look, if your way of viewing women is as sexual objects and that shows itself in either your timeline or your stories, Save me the trouble of unfriending you and go ahead and unfriend me because I don't want to know you. I'll pray for you, but we got a part company. I, I like it really comes down to that because here's the deal. And I plan to do an episode in the future on the connection between surveillance and pornography because the vast majority of the servers dishing out porn anywhere in the world are in, say it with me, Russia. Okay, so go ahead and swallow that jagged little pill while you're browsing your porn next time and then stop it because you can't care about the dignity of human persons and see privacy as a right and at the same time think that certain persons are objects for you to enjoy and that they don't matter as people. Everybody has that same human dignity and you either respect existence or expect resistance. That's just how it is. Okay, so... Um, I think probably, well, let me say this. Okay. Enemy of the surveillance state is, um, this is a, a labor of love for me. I I launched this because I really do care about privacy. Do I know that someone could listen to my show? Uh, do I suspect I should put it that way. Do I suspect that someone could listen to my show and learn enough stuff to do something bad on the internet? Sure, but I've got confidence that most of the people that are listening to my show are decent, normal human beings that just feel like I feel. If I wanted the NSA to read that email, I would have copied them on it, Joe. It is a violation of my God-given right of privacy protected by the Fourth Amendment for them to surveil me. I don't deserve well, their surveillance. They don't have a warrant to surveil me. I am not a, a, a specific target of their surveillance. There are no specific targets. They just throw a great big net.
0: Well, and this is the thing that gets me, Mitch, is like, this is what I tell the people that I talk to all the time. Is I say, tyrants going to tyrant. That's what they do. Tyrants are going to take your liberty because that's what tyrants have done since, you know, Athens. Since tyrants forever. That's tyrant. right. My... My problem is this. My problem isn't with Bill Barr because Bill Barr is a tyrant and always has been. My problem is this. When you have all of us at the airport and everyone standing there is having the rights protected by the Fourth Amendment being violated by government, if you were to stand up and say, hey, why don't you read the Constitution? You can't do this to me. Do you know what all those other people would do in line? They would roll their eyes and say, dude, just shut up.
1: Shut up and don't slow let's the line get, down, man. Let's
0: just get through this, man. Shut up.
1: I'll give you that's I, my problem. I'll give you a great example of that. So a few years ago, before I went on staff with the parent company of the New America magazine, the John Birch Society, uh, I was going to be flying out from the East Coast out to Texas because that's where they wanted me. So my wife and I flew out there for our look-see and, you know, find a house, get everything all ironed out and everything so I could move out there a few weeks later and start the job. So we fly out there and we're getting ready to fly back. I'm at DFW Airport. And of course, they've got us all standing there with our belts off and our shoes off. And, and, you know, then there was the whole underwear bomber thing. And I got really, really nervous. I didn't know what was coming next. And now I know what's next. It's the naked scanning machines and the groping uh, TSA employees. So we're standing there in line. And the line beside us is an entire flight crew going through that same security. And the guy in front of me turns to me and says, man, I'm glad to see they make them do the same thing. And I said, really? He said, yeah, yeah, we're all in this together. And I said, that's a dog and pony show for your benefit so that you will feel the way you feel right now. Oh, why do you say that? I said, you see that guy at the front of the line with all the stripes on on the sleeve of his jacket? Yeah, that's the pilot. Once he makes it through that line, they're going to give him the keys to the plane. He doesn't have to hijack it. If they've not already vetted every one of those people, we need to be having an entirely different conversation. They're not actually going through security. They're being seen going through security. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. We've been taken for a ride, but again, it's all packaged either as say it with me, folks, we've got to fight those terrorists or we've got to do something to save the children. Enemy of the Surveillance State uh, is hosted and produced by me, C. Mitchell Shaw. Original music for the show was produced by Mike Levitt. There's a link in the show notes. If you've got anything coming up that you need to own your own music for, you want a special song for your wedding or anything uh, for this, I just I really like the song he created for me, that Enemy of the Surveillance State theme song. So if you're interested in having a song made, there's a link in the show notes where you can reach out to Mike Levitt yourself and find out what he can do for you. Be sure to subscribe to the show. So you never miss an episode and check the show notes for ways to support the show on Patreon and by purchasing enemy of the surveillance state merchandise. So Joe, man, thanks for being on today. I think the best closing quote for today's episode for this show is the very last sentence in your article. Cause it segues real nicely to what you just said about how tyrants are going to tyrant, right? Right. You end that article with this quote, once it develops in the body politic, the muscle of tyranny never atrophies. Joe, thanks for being on the show, man. This has been a blast. Thanks for listening to Enemy of the Surveillance State, and we'll see you next week.